the reason why I stuck with it and what kept me up at night is I just heard my late wife saying, this is your legacy. This is the, I'll be, I'm going to be the most proud over this thing that I'll never get to see. And just hearing that even in the times where we're, you know, day to day where I'm like, man, is this, is this going to, is this going to work? I hear that. And I hear Rachel's voice now just affirming that this is, this is it. You've, when you invest in something, people will invest in you. And we found that with the people that we call our investors, they invested in us because they saw how passionate we were, how like th- that we did our homework, that we that we were trying to disprove the thing that we were trying to uh, use to improve the the fitness experience. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under the radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I wanna get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion, how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Jimmy Martin and Johnny Adamick, the founders of Burn, the world's first ever cool temperature fitness studio. Jimmy is a former Division I athlete turned multi-hyphenate who's lived many lives as a celebrity personal trainer, advertising copywriter, and a background performer on SNL. Johnny is a former public health official for New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg's Obesity Task Force, who then shifted gears and turned into a personal trainer, yoga teacher, and journalist. The two met in 2015 when Jimmy approached Johnny about joining forces to develop Burn, and the rest is history. Since their launch, they've been featured in the New York Times, Good Morning America, Fast Company, and have become a global phenomenon. So this episode is honestly a little bit all over the place because these two guys are just the funniest and they clearly feed off of each other. Uh, We kind of go into their backgrounds as kids a ton and you kind of get a sense of where their grit and perseverance comes from. Um, But we do kind of juggle a ton of different topics. We get into the intricacies of launching a first ever type of service meaning having to really educate and convince people to try something completely new that has never been done before. We get into how to cope with rejection and how they got rejected over 300 times from potential investors before landing their main investor, how to overcome adversity, the benefits of working out in the cold, and their recipe to success with burn. So with that, let's get into this week's episode with Jimmy and Johnny. All right, guys, I want to get into the podcast, and I just kind of want to start all the way back on what you guys thought you wanted to do when you grew up, and you guys have both had, like, a bazillion different career paths before you started Burn. That's right. So I just kind of want to get, like, your both backgrounds, and then I kind of want to get to, like, the meeting point of when you guys decided to go for it. I love it. (laughs) Grew up in Wisconsin, born in Chicago area in Joliet, Illinois, where the Blues Brothers are from, Mm. and... To a, I'm son of a Italian immigrant mother and a, um, <laughs> and a father and a father, 
Yeah, and a, like a very yeah, uh, with origins of Slovenia and Slovakia. Okay. This is sponsored by Twenty Three and Me. By the this way, this is right? my Twenty Three and Me. We're just making Anyways, sure that you're getting. Anyways, da- Dad got a, a promotion a working for Dial Soap. Moved, and next thing you know, I'm a cheesehead. So we moved to outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Grew up Italian American family. Also very American. Sunday meals were just as important on my. Italian side as they were on the Slovenian side, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. So what am I hinting at is strong background in food. So mm. went to University of Wisconsin-Madison where I was a I was a D1 athlete. I was a very competitive, competitive D1 athlete. I was the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> I was Bucky the Badger um, and I wore a furry outfit and I did push-ups when the football team <laughs> scored and it was glorious. It was amazing. But no, mascotting is like super cool. It's really fun. Um, oh, wait, this is serious. This is, yeah, dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> so I was literally Bucky the Badger. Um, go Bucky. My background's in public health. Mm-hmm. Um, so I- um, Which all makes sense based off yeah, of- I need, I need, Sorry, just, Yeah, I need like a little bit of kind of a guide to how you got there. Yeah, I think, um, oh man, I've just always been interested in health. And I was the kid in college that was like harping at people for drinking Diet Coke. Because I'm like the aspartame height, you know, increases your sensitivity to actually. So, so it increases your. It, it makes it's like 250 times sweeter than sugar. Mm-hmm. So it just makes you. A, it gives you super hyper palatable, palate palatable, palatable. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Get it together, you Johnny. got it. Um, craving, let's just say for sugar. So I, I like. I was just like this. You know, I was just. I always. How were you learning about that though? Were your, was your family very involved in? You know, I mean. Grew up like you know reading reading the newspaper, reading the New York Times, um, reading the local Milwaukee Journal Sentinel with my parents. Um, I don't know, like just I, for whatever reason, like just we always ate good food, and we always ate real food, mm-hmm. and you know, especially like cooking, you know, classic like cooking, you know, grandchild cooking with grandmother sort of mm-hmm. a thing. Just you know, smelling the ingredients, tasting the ingredients, and really appreciating food. And then, like honestly, like really growing up in a very very much Italian house, then going to parents friends houses and totally going to talk about cuisine in wisconsin and i'm so sorry but like just not appetizing in, yeah. in certain people's house because the fast food wave had begun and right. like eating mcdonald's like just wasn't a meal for me i'm like this is disgusting you know a burger then with a coke are you kidding like i'm not full at all i want to go eat you know first course of salad with vinegar and olive oil sauce you know, and and like, and then a first course of pasta, and then second course of meat, and you know, espresso and wine and water and water and water and so anyway, so went went to, went to college, went to Madison, had, had focused on you know your classic mass communication, but really interested in the policy of FCC and like mm-hmm. what a really interesting topic still with just you know Facebook and social media, um, but also then double majored in journalism, but you know studied studied abroad, lived in Italy, lived in Bologna for the year. Um, as an Italian student. And like, that's where like food just got even better. Like I remember eating an orange going, can I curse? Yeah, yeah of like, course. Holy fuck, this orange is good. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's so crazy. I just came back from Paris and everything, everything in Europe is just so much better. Also, like I lost weight. It's, yeah. Like riddle me that. Yeah, I don't understand. Right. I ate so much. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. No, I mean like it just, it's the food, the temperature is colder in European you know, cities and buildings yeah. in winter. We'll talk nice about segue. that. Yeah, nice segue. <laughs> um, and so, just realized that I was interested in food history and mm-hmm. like f- and food. So, got into um, 
went to, so graduated and then bartended a little bit. Um, my partner, my wife worked on Obama's campaign. Um, wink. I'm a, I'm a Democrat. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, just, just, um, got super excited in food and realized there was this professor at the university of Bologna that I wanted to study under, like kind of the Michael Pollan of food of Italy. And so, so, so much so that Michael Pollan actually quotes him in his book, Omnivore's wow. Dilemma, about the hardships and the vicissitudes of nature and the ups and downs, how, how we've, we've finally beaten winter um, as, as humans being crafty with, with agriculture and farming, and, and we've secured a food system. And that'll segue into burn as well. But uh, yeah, so I studied under Massimo, and it was like a consortium of university, university Nice and um, University of, Bar- of Barcelona and professors <laughs> came in and, you know, and just learned, oh my God, like food is crazy. Just like, you know. And then you ended up working for Bloomberg. Came, came to NYC, got a, ended up getting a full ride into NYU and their food studies program in the Department of Nutrition, Food Studies and Public mm-hmm. Health. You know, Bloomberg came into power and there, he put, so, so there was, I don't actually know the background of the grant, but it was communities putting prevention to work and it was a B-City prevention related like national campaign mm-hmm. and Bloomberg supported it. And then- What year did you start working with him? 2009. Okay. So, and I was, and so I got hired, the only job, so I wanted to get into the nutrition department, mm-hmm. um, but the built environment program was hiring. And so I got a job and that's so cool. And that is how our environment can shape and nudge access to- daily physical activity as yep. well as healthy nutrition. And that's so all. So is that where your kind of like passion for fitness kind of started? And that's where my a little bit. passion for fitness. So one of the things we did, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've always been interested. I've always weightlifted as a kid. Um, just got, just got in, you know, played soccer, but lifted with the football players. And, you know, the, the, the built environment program had stuff like closing streets down so that kids can play in New York City during, you know, and that's like, that's all the background policy bureaucracy. You're working with local constituents, the community boards on which streets to close during what time. So many, so many Excel sheets. (laughs) So how long were you doing that for? So I did that for about two and a half years. And then um, the grant ended and they needed to find us, you know, that they're like, we're going to get you guys jobs. And so I ended up pivoting then. And then I got, so I got promoted to Bloomberg's obesity task force and then I shifted to consulting the DOE essentially and mm-hmm. working with them w- within the department of, of wellness. And then that was just tra- trying to transform kind of like A to Z on unhealthy schools from environment to mental hygiene to, to food to physical activity. And we awarded grants to, you know, 200 schools, um, but like worked with them on on implementing the monies towards like getting strategic things. And that was a lot of that was under Bloomberg, then it transferred to to de Blasio. But anyway, so that's so that's what you're doing. Were you doing that doing. directly before you started Brian? Yeah. Um, you know, and then I, I had started to personal train on the side. I just got super interested, got registered as a yoga teacher, and then just and you know, watched an ABC show called um uh, with Chris Powell, weight loss transformation, and I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I just absolutely love the one-on-one yeah. connection with people, and so that the Powells, Heidi Paul actually commented about Burn on Facebook. Oh, really? This cool gym, and I'm like, wouldn't they know that they're part of the well, reason? That was a, like the reason we first started talking because you pitched. Well, me. Well, yeah. Now idea. let's yeah, let's yeah, go yeah. to yeah, Jimmy. That's me. Well, guys. Well, just I want to pause there for you. I want to pause there just because I feel like you're getting to the point where I feel like you're going to be translating from kind of providing this health and wellness, like or all the health and wellness tools to the masses, to kind of like niching down yeah, to. Yeah 
kind of building this brick and mortar space for a group of, I don't know how many people fit into a brand class, but it's right. a very different scope, but kind of like the same mission. Absolutely. Like that is one, I'm like, this is my version of public health to the people. Jimmy, oh, let's get let's get your background. Do you were how you, do you follow that? Were you a mascot? I wasn't a mascot, but I but I also wore somewhat of a costume. I was I was a Division One wrestler, so I was in, as you can tell, <laughs> right? Spandex we has love never left me since college. Yeah. Um, were you a mascot for the drag. Division One wrestlers? No, I was or? no, I was I was a member of the team. No, I was a member of the team. Um, we so I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm a son of a small town hairdresser, so I grew up in like a beauty shop. Um, my dad was my coach my whole life. I, you know, from a very supportive family, um, you know, was the jock that did theater was the, was the, you know, the jock that all the, you know, that didn't know really his place in, in the school. Cause I was friends with everybody. I, I can relate to the athletes, the thespians, you know, the, every category of people. Do you feel like you were like very confident? Because I feel like that's something that is not the norm. Uh, no, I think like a lot of those things I've done has been like sort of have come out of insecurities and I think like the, like the need to express yourself is is born out of like you trying to understand yourself yeah um, in real time so I mean it's cool that you were able to do that at a young age just because I feel like insecurity a lot of time can like keep you in a box to continue mm-hmm. and it's just cool that like you were a jock but were able to kind of yeah. still express yourself in a different way yeah I mean it was it what was interesting was uh and talk about weird stories and I, I've told this many times but I was a I created a boy band in high school <laughs> And it was you guys the, are the best guys. The ri- <laughs> it was the rise of uh, of the sort of NSYNC Backstreet Boys era, mm-hmm. and, and we were all pro NSYNC because we were like they can sing and dance. That's right. But um, they uh, so it was we were called Diversity because <laughs> we thought we were very different. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, it was a very monochromatic uh, sort of group of guys. Uh, There's really nothing diverse about us besides the fact that we. Thought you were diverse. Uh, thought we were diverse. So that was the first sort of running <laughs> yeah. joke of my life. But it was great. It was a talent show. We sang. We danced. Like we did like graduation parties mm-hmm. and bar and bat mitzvah. Like it was like a cool thing. And we like filmed ourselves. How, like, how old were you? I was a sophomore in high school to senior in high school that we did this. So, I mean, would you consider yourself like a young entrepreneur? Like do you feel like you've always had kind of like an itch to make your own money? I, I think – well, I mean uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the first observation of entrepreneurism entrepreneurism came from seeing my mom have mm-hmm. her own business um, at such a young age, from like nineteen, to, and she's still working today, um, and she's in her six, she's uh, 60, 61. yeah, sixty one, um, a young sixty one. <laughs> my mom's listening. <laughs> a beautiful, 61. a beautiful sixty one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, we both grew up in small towns. Mm-hmm. Like you had mom and pop shops everywhere. Like watching families literally put everything that they have into supporting the towns that they lived in. So shout out to Donna, Donna Martin's hair designs. <laughs> yeah. Donna Martin's hair design. We can do it. We'll Let's write a jingle we'll later for her. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that was like the thing. And you know, my dad worked at a hospital that was a you know a not for profit, then became a for profit, and to see the shift in how when people from the box seats try to make decisions for people that are on the ground floor, which is, you know, sort of a tenant that we don't live by at Burn. You mm-hmm. know, we're very hands-on and very at the ground level. Um, you know, like ha- just just having parents that supported all the things. And so, yeah. you know, I would say the boy band stuff, being an athlete, um, doing theater, and then and sort of being an observation of a entrepreneur in-house was, was definitely influential for my mm-hmm. path. But I went to George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, 
Um, but I was a member of their wrestling team. I got a scholarship to go to school. Um, it was a big deal. It was the first time me being away four hours south in, 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 uh, in Virginia. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of friends that went to like community colleges, to state schools, and, and I didn't really have any friends or knew anybody down there. So it was like I needed to kind of understand my own identity by starting from zero, you know, starting from scratch. So it's so valuable. It is. And I think like you need to get away to get somewhere. And so I uh, was there for four years. And uh, in like my last year, I, I got interested in, in theater on a different level. I was approached by – I took an acting class just out of curiosity and always enjoyed writing. Like English was always a, uh, a very I, – I, I actually had like the best relationships with my English teachers mm. and that was interesting. Um, That's a really good tidbit yeah, for people I don't to know, take like, away. I feel right. like like pay attention to the things that you – or like the teachers that you gravitated towards or the for classes. Sure. Yeah. But um, – So you were reading a ton. Uh, actually, no. Actually, not really. Just like expressing – like writing a ton. Okay. And and then be having an opportunity in, in college to to express that. Um, and so I um, I was like – you know, I wanted to be on the forensics team but the – but and I wanted to do theater. Um, but I was also – I was also a communication major. I minored in business. And I um, – you know, and I, and I knew that like – you know, there's, there was something performance-wise that I wanted to do. But what was interesting is like my last semester in college, I had taken this business class and it was an entrepreneurship class. And the whole entire school competed in this competition. And I came up with this idea for a uh, for a pair of – so this is right when Under Armour was on the rise. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Like I like to – the boy band member in me uh, <laughs> likes to dance. And uh, I noticed that like – Shirts would be really sweaty or I would tear my jeans if I was like really getting into it. <laughs> and I was like, what if there was a, a, cl- a company called Groove and the and the O's were like a musical note and the tagline was get into it. And it was a company that like did like the sort of same technology of like fabric for people that are going into like hip hop wear or even like people that are competing in like ballroom dance so that – you, so the, your hard work didn't like stay on your sleeves. And I and I pitched this to like my classmates wow. and came up with this whole thing. And we won the entrepreneurship competition. That's amazing. And wow. my teacher who worked at the patent office said, you should really think about this. And I said, well, I'm actually thinking about like moving to New York to become an actor. And she was just like, good <laughs> luck with that. <laughs> yeah, so, so someone's probably has done their, you know, their own version of that. But like that was interesting. But also like great positive reinforcement for you. 100%. You know, you know? so – after school, I, I worked in the athletic department for a woman who was my supervisor for the Student Athletic Advisory Council, which is like the student council for student athletes. I was like her writer's assistant and basically led this, you know, SAC as it, it was called and um, did community theater. And then I got like a break doing this huge cattle call in D.C. and I got like booked for this equity show. I didn't even know what equity was. <laughs> I was like equity in, in, in a company? Like what, what, what is right. this thing? And it was when the show Actually, hit. what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? So Actors' Equity, uh, so which is, you know, sort of the, the um, you know, the organization, the, the you know, the organization that represents theatrical artists. You know, you have SAG. Yeah. Well, now it's SAG-AFTRA, but you had SAG, which is for, you know, screen actors. And AFTRA was for radio and television artists. Um, and then you had uh, Actors' Equity, which was for, like, theatrical performers. So – I got booked in the show that just came from Broadway and was now in the regional theater circuit in DC. And I was an understudy, which is like the backup quarterback right. for the thing. And I didn't even know what that meant. And I was oh. like, holy crap, this is incredible. And the first day of rehearsals, a the guy that I was the, the one of the ensemble cast members uh, got in a car accident. What? And the director was like, call one of those 
friggin' understudies or whatever. And I was the only one in the audience. Wow. And I was like, I'm here. And she's like, who? She didn't cast me. It was it was somebody else that cast me. So she didn't even know. Who so you I was were. in. The, so she didn't know who I was. But I was in. That now I was officially in the show for 14 weeks, and was also understudying the guy that the guy that was you know that I you know that was in the show. Right. So I was like, it was like two different brains working at the same time. But like, I learned so much about theater. By being around these like New York actors, it's incredible. That's it was such an, a great opportunity. Did you show for four, what was the show? It's called History Boys. Um, but at that point, did you think that that's what you? I wanted was like, to I'm do? gonna give it a shot, and then I went on another audition for like this, you know, indie film, and I and I got it, and I, I got booked as this like character called Twisted Cap, uh, which he was like this bully in this like you know for this for this uh, for this coming of age uh, film, mm-hmm. and uh, funny thing was like the day of shooting, uh, my. They they didn't twist my cap like so my name but my character made no sense because my hat wasn't twisted in the scene but I had eight lines and I got eligible for SAG and I was like wow this was all within like six months and then I was like man I think I want to like give this thing a shot so I moved up to to New York in two thousand nine I did every job that you think like an uh, a you know striving actor writer would want to do like I was passing out new AM New York newspapers New York Times I worked at GNC for like two days I like you know I. I worked. I was a Starbucks barista. I worked at gyms. Did you I was make at, a mean Starbucks? Uh, I I was actually really bad. the first time that I had to do a frappuccino. I didn't put the lid on the top, <laughs> and then I was told just sit be happy, go be a cashier, <laughs> get, us, <laughs> get us tips. But I was uh, but the, all the while I was I was also a nude art model. I say I was the Michael Jordan of nude art modeling from like two thousand nine. So my parents kind of nudged me to not do that because they were like, you know, most not people, the Horace Grant, not the <laughs> not the Scotty Pippen, right for the Jordan baby, but. Uh, but I was just, you know, I wanted to see things from multiple vantage points, right? And then that really did help with being able to start Burn because mm-hmm. of the, you know, I got involved in improv and sketch comedy. That was like, that That was the turning point of me going, oh, like, I I may not be the funniest person in the room, but like, I, I recognize patterns. I always enjoyed, I did sketches, like not even, I would write commercial parodies not knowing that was like a thing. Mm-hmm. My dad would always make, would always change the lyrics to the songs that we would, when we were driving in the car. So like... There was like that that playfulness in my household and I just was like – and plus I was in a boy band called Diversity. Like mm-hmm. I was like bound to do something that was semi-comedic. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Comedic. So I was like, you know what? I, I've been a big fan of SNL. I've been a big fan of Mad TV, late night television in general. I'm like, I want to see if this could be a thing. So I got involved at the Upright Citizens Brigade, the UCB Theater, took classes – so how long were you pursuing comedy? Uh, so since, since like 2009 and, and I was, you know, I had gone through the classes, performed in shows. I, um, you know, I got a job as a greeting card writer briefly through doing improv and sketch comedy. I, um, I got work as a, as a copywriter for yeah. an ad agency, which was a dream come true because I was basically doing all like taglines and, and commercial and writing commercials without getting paid for it. So got to work on like a lot of big brands here in the city. Um, did some a brief stint on on SNL. I was I was one of their background performers. And how was yeah, that? I mean, to see the show come to life before everybody else sees it, it was incredible. And I thought about writing a book one day called uh, "From From Background to Foreground" because I was really good at like finding the camera. Um, <laughs> Jimmy's in. I mean, like Bill Hader, Bobby Moynihan days. Like, like oh. he's in skits where like with Maroon Five was in a. It was just I have a lot of funny photos. <laughs> I, I, was right. I was like a butt double for Jason Sudeikis for a oh sketch, so that's a claim to fame. Like but, true. Uh, but like that was the path. I wanted to I wanted to write for Fallon for mm-hmm. when Jimmy Fallon got late night with Jimmy Fallon. I had a packet. I was like in I was in that process of of like being uh, considered. And you know, things had changed in 2013. I this the the idea of burn came to light when we were I was talking to a private client mm-hmm. in Soho. Uh, 
and it was hotter in the studio. A client doing what? Sorry. A, a personal training client. Okay. So I'm not sure if I mentioned, I also did personal, yeah, I did personal training because that, that was one was, of that, your 20 million jobs. 20 million jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And she was just talking about how like during fall, winter months in Boston, she just, she was her thinnest, her fittest and just felt her best. So that intrigued me. So like in comedy, you know, every sketch is unusual thing, heighten the circumstance, button like what's the out right mm. so i was like okay all these three these are like she kind of sent to the unusual thing so i was like trying to raise the stakes of this idea by trying to come to a conclusion yeah. so if all those things were true then why isn't there is there a cool temperature workout environment that one could pay for and, and do classes in so i went to google couldn't find anything and i mean i really put the time in to do this and realized Oh, there's like there's a lot of research. I mean, the research that I found, and I and when I met Johnny, he discovered everything. But talked about calorie expenditure, about how when you're exposed to cooler temperatures, if you're outside waiting for the bus, like you're shivering and your body's working hard to stay warm, mm-hmm. so you can burn more calories. It so makes that, total sense. So I actually be- heard one time that if you live like in Alaska or somewhere that it's cold like the whole year round, the average weight is five pounds less than anywhere else. It's That's interesting. Warmer. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But so that so that idea came about and burn, and then it sat on my computer on my folder, and you know I had gone through some personal things, and I can explain that a little. Well, bit Well, we should we should yeah no we should this is really important. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So so what's interesting I think about anybody's journey, like any like even in storytelling, like the hero's journey, they they they, they get a call to action, mm-hmm. and they either answer it or they don't. And if they answer it, they go through something to come out forever changed, right? And they meet somebody along the way that guides them. Um. So in in uh, September of 2013, my my uh, wife had been diagnosed with cancer, and like everything sort of stopped, and I became a full time caregiver. You know, I had tremendous friends and family supporters through GoFundMe. I was still training while she was getting chemotherapy, uh, and then in May of 2014, after a long seventh month battle, she had passed away. Um, and this, and I was 29, and she was also 29. And like everything sort of shifted, you know, the conversation about health, which for the longest time had been vanity driven, had it been about, you know, just being, being, being like looking your best and, and not necessarily feeling your best. Cause I had a lot of body image and, um, other, other issues through wrestling because mm-hmm. of having cut such drastic weight in short amount of time. I was like, wow, there's like, there's something about living through something like that and, and coming out on the other side of it better for it that, that intrigued me. And I saw like in this time of like bereavement that there was an interesting parallel between how we see death and how we see cold. They're both very threatening, right? And Johnny articulates it better than I can, but we've been, you know, it's, 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 it's a part of who we are, mm-hmm. you know, unless you live in LA and you never get it or <laughs> other places, but like we've been, our bodies are designed to live through it and we've been avoiding it. And which again, Johnny can talk more about with like what that has, with why that's affecting us mm-hmm. negatively today. But I was like, wow, if like I was able to make death part of my conversation and not avoid it, what if this burn thing could also be in every conversation? So I came back in 2014 to this new norm. You know, I met Johnny in 2014 because he had pitched me this reality show idea like based off of the Chris Powell. And I didn't want to tell him it was terrible, but I was like, I liked his energy towards yeah. me. This fall starring yes, yeah. personal trainer. Liz it was good. I, I joke. Oh, it was horrible. It was, it was horrible. It's on YouTube. Look, look it up. It's absolutely but horrible. I liked his energy and I saw a lot of myself in him and I respected his background and the fact that he was trying to personalize. He like he literally left the health department to personalize this, this health and wellness thing. And I liked him being a risk taker, you know? 
And I was looking for somebody to to do this with. Like I knew I I didn't have the capabilities to articulate the science to really like to really lay it out the way it should be done. So him coming to me with this idea, his reality show idea, was really him telling me that he wanted to work with me. And I actually didn't know that. I thought you approached him originally. So so. so, so I approached him with the with the burn idea because right, but I didn't know that he approached yeah. you first. Yeah, and I, now in talking about this, yeah, it's like, funny. I don't even I didn't even realize. Yeah, that so either. that was that was the first. So you guys were kind of magnetic, like you knew that there yeah, was something about something each other about that us. you wanted to yeah, explore. Yeah, sure. yeah. And so so fast forward twenty like late 2014, 2015, I asked him if he's available to talk uh, at a coffee shop in Tribeca. About Change the tone. Things. Change the tone. Yeah, and like, Jeremy, I'm in a baritone right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not so much in this tenor, but I'm in serious. <laughs> yeah, and you had like, you know, you had like kind of soft pitch around this like cold gym idea. I'm like, okay, interesting, you know, and couple- – Well, you – that was so <laughs> – I mean, I, I mean, I came at it. I was like, hey, I, I wanted to take the well, same – I, I mean, I mean – The like- same groove presentation I, that, about like, hey, you know what? Like this is why – I knew that I could get him to care about it. Yeah. Because I knew yeah. that like he's a- – But I, I mean like preluding that, like just like, hey, I want to talk about this cold gym idea. A couple of weeks, hey, you got time. And then like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm interested. And, and then we finally sat down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like – Laid it this all is, out. Got is, my got my very slow MacBook computer, which has rest in peace. It's now been upgraded. But like, showed him this thing and said, "I told him, I told him why this happened, why I want this to happen, and why I think someone like him could help make." What was your why in your pitch? Yeah, my why was like, my why was like, people need to. Uh, my why was like, we we've been living in this, and there's, there's so much more of the same. There's so much mutations of 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 these workouts, and really nothing's original. And as a person that's always thinking of the next thing, and and, and whether it's sketches or just random ideas for things, what excites me is originality. And I felt that this was truly something unlike anything before. And I knew his path. You know, he was also writing for the Daily Beast as a mm-hmm. as a health and wellness critic. And I wanted to, and I knew personally that in order to be the biggest advocate for your brand or for anything, you also have to be as big as skeptic. And I knew if I if if I passed the Johnny test, the litmus test, that it would the fitness test. Let's just <laughs> hashtag. We're gonna change. That's gonna, we're gonna buy that domain. Too. Let's do that. No one's, yeah. no one's gonna care about You're it. You're gonna be the man Cold. with all the domains. All the yeah yeah right exactly. Yeah. Um, that that maybe it maybe it could be something right because everybody I ever talked about it to was like that's really interesting. No one ever really criticized it, and that was like the unusual thing to make me want to have this conversation. Which so is I, just interesting, just because like I feel, I feel like it's you can fall on two sides of the coin with something that's like a first ever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like sure. it's so exciting because you see a white space. It's like a huge opportunity. There's yeah. you, the fitness market is definitely booming, but no one's doing this one specific thing. So right. you see a huge opportunity, but then it's also like. Do you have doubts on, wait, why has no one ever done this before? Sure. If there is so much literature about how right. it's better, like you, do you start like questioning yourself on like, why hasn't an Equinox gone for this? Sure. Well, and that's what he, and that's what he did. It's well, like, like yeah. okay. So just to back up, I worked under a really smart person, really smart woman. Um, I'm going to say her name, Dr. Karen Lee at mm-hmm. the, at the health department. You know, at the time, you know, they just discovered, you know, this is 2014, so 20, 2009, they like just discovered that like adults have brown adipose tissue, which what, is – So it's called brown ad- – it's let me tell you. I'm so excited. <laughs> like uh, there was this – anyways, that was yeah. hysterical. <laughs> so bra- that joke. We, well, no, no, so, yeah. So, yeah. So um, my that was my attempt at being a comedian <laughs> and it went beautifully. Hey, look. A sympathy laugh is still a, a laugh. A sympathy laugh is still a laugh. <laughs> So yeah, don't, so don't so, so it's this thing. It's the New England Journal of Public Medicine of Public Health or Public Medicine, probably Public Health. Um, 
found that humans have around their back of their back of their shoulders, down their spine, neck, in their brain, around their heart and vital organs, cells with more, much much more mitochondria, mitochondria in them, many more mitochondria cells. And mitochondria are the battery packs of our cells, and they're the things that burn, you know, fat or glucose or glycogen, which is we get from starches and I'm going to use the quote-unquote carbohydrates. We won't. We, I won't get into why I I air quotation carbohydrates, <laughs> but that th- this is what those mitochondria use is fuel to, to to either produce waste heat or go through the ATP cycle. To to is what keeps us breathing mm-hmm. and our metabolism going and alive. So that they found that adults have this, and this is a huge discovery because babies. That's all that they have is brown adipose tissue, and. How do babies stay warm? So I, my my wife and I have a seven month old Arlo, and um, so, so babies stay warm because they don't have muscles, and our muscles are first and foremost um, a tool yet to make us mobile. We're bipedal, but they also keep us warm when we're really cold, and they involuntarily spasm. It's called shivering thermogenesis, and shivering thermogenesis, aka shaking. Remember being in a pool in fifth grade is why fifth grade, I don't know. But like, so, so babies don't have muscles. They can't involuntarily spasm, aka exercise to produce waste heat to keep our organs at 98.6, mm-hmm. but they've got tons of brown adipose tissue. So they have, cell, their cells have, they're chock full of mitochondria and babies are chubby. Babies are, or have baby fat because that fat is what keeps them warm and alive. And, 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 and alive. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, they thought that as we grow, as we you know evolved, as as we grew up, as we matured, um, we that we lost it, but we actually have it. And so that has has created a cascade of all this literature about brown adipose tissue and cold because cold directly activates the mitochondria and the cells and hormones in your body to basically convert from burning glycogen, glucose, to burning fat. And now the reason they think this, and this is all led by um, a former NASA scientist named Ray Cronice, a former Harvard geneticist that leads the genetics department, Dr. David Sinclair, and then a guy at a NIH in Tennessee, uh, Vanderbilt, uh, former you know metabolic kidney and liver um, doctor, Dr. Andrew Bremer. And it's this idea that winter never comes anymore. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> winter never comes anymore. And that, it, you know, we have, but we've evolved. Our bodies have evolved with winter. But, you know, it, though it's 2019, evolution takes millennia. And so, you know, our bodies are the same as the cave person 200,000 years ago. And so we have more in common with that, you know, with that body. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Biologically, it doesn't make sense socially. So... Right, it makes sense, or rather, actually, I flipped that. What makes sense socially doesn't make sense biologically right. speaking. Rather, so we're li- we're living this this gluttonous diet where we're not living in tune with winter. And what is winter? Winter is a period when there's lacking calories and there's lacking heat. And that's before the podcast started. You were talking about how you felt like you looked your best in mm-hmm. in winter, and that could be because you know you might be kind of celebrating the seasonality of winter, and you might be eating less. And cold is also making you stay warmer. We're also talking about Europe and Europe. If you if you go to Europe, just their engineering of their centralized heating, I, I don't think is like I'm gonna use the word robust as ours. And just buildings are a little bit. And they may not be as like thermally insulated as well, but like their buildings are 
cooler. Like it's 67, you know, yeah. I've, I've been in my, my mom's hometown in Catamonaco, um, in, 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 in like this mountainside city in Italy and it's cold. I've kind of trained with this public health acumen and I'm like, this is fucking insane. And next thing you know, we're on a plane meeting Ray Cronice down in Huntsville, Alabama. Just sent him a random email. It was like he had like a about me, whatever, like the mm-hmm. – and just told him what we were up to. And he agreed to meet with us and we flew down there to – Before you met with him, what was that like prep process? Like obviously you kind of gave that I was like so yes. nervous. But I kind of want to get cool. to understand like, okay, you guys both agreed that this is a smart idea. You yeah. did the due diligence I have on the, the literature side mm-hmm. and – it's still a business, right? Yeah. Like it's something yep. that has never been done before. An investor is going to be like, why the hell am I going to give you money when – why has no one in the fitness industry right. done this? How do you prep? Yeah. So first off, we signed on a napkin that we were 50 that – we, that we were co-founders. Okay. And then we officially like – my buddy's a lawyer and we did like a little – Brief thing saying Did like you keep we, it? I, I still have it. Still have it. Yeah, you need so to frame I, it. I, I'll tell. I Jimmy's actually a, sleep. It's under Jimmy's my pillow. Jimmy's a hoarder. Jimmy's a hoarder. <laughs> and just, I think it's important yeah. just to say what you found with the literature. Like the, the three, like the three tenants of, of what, sixty forty. I took sixty. Jimmy took forty. Right. Just kidding. It's fifty fifty. <laughs> um, but Go you ahead. know, found you know the, the three big tenants which we talk about with with Burn today is is that when you're in a, it's we 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 wanted to engineer an environment that encouraged you to move better, yeah. that encouraged you to work harder for longer, that that optimized performance. So that so that was found because he found studies with like marathon times and cycling times and how like our temperature range was the ideal temperature range for those you know high level athletes. Just quick and dirty, I, I promise I won't, I won't go in the weeds, but the best time to run a marathon is 41 degrees. U.S. Army's lab of environmental medicine out of Natick, Massachusetts, where the Patriots and the Boston Red Sox live. <laughs> go pack, go. <laughs> um, but I love Tom Brady's anti-inflammatory lifestyle and diet. It's yes, brilliant. It's gonna, it's he's going to, he's, he's going to, he, he won't need cryogenics. He's going to live, gonna Tom live. Brady's going to live till he's long lived 3,000 years long-lived old. Yes, but they looked at just all the marathons. They looked at Boston, New York, the the grandmothers, which is in Duluth. And that's in June, by the way, Duluth, Minnesota, where it gets a balmy, like 48 degrees. <laughs> um, but they looked at like all the, you know, the past 30, 40 years, they controlled for the first and the 30th and the 100th and the 300th. And they found that literally it's 41 degrees and every degree increase in marathon time, your time increases as well. And it's statistically significant, which means it's like impactful and it's most significant on the back of the herd. Cause like we're the out of shape people. Like I haven't even run a marathon. Mm-hmm. I would probably like collapse and like need a cannoli. How are you going to hold the espresso in your I, hand? I know, right? Doing it. It's like, but like, like that's crazy. Like yeah. that's crazy. Forty one degrees. Yeah. And then there's cycling times about like in the like low fifties. Um, I was a I was a weatherman, by the way. I'm a closeted weatherman. Like <laughs> dead serious. I fucking love the weather. I mean, it makes sense then for yeah. your yeah. business. So, so, so how did you? Fir- so Ray Cronice was the fir- was the yeah. first attempt at at like having some substantiation behind what we're doing. So we went down there, Huntsville, Alabama, uh, met with him for a week. He's such on- a collaborator and it, just wants to such a generous. His, his so his mantra is he wants to affect the lives of ten thousand people and like imp- like to, if he can touch ten thousand people's lives, he thinks like that's kind of his legacy. Mm, so, interesting. Yeah. I've never heard anyone have that kind of outlook. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant like- guy. He's a, he's a former overweight, obese NASA scientist, and that's that that's important because being overweight and obese who 
who focused on on thermogenetics or th- 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 thermogenesis, like rockets yeah. entering space, et cetera, and all the other neat stuff that I don't even know about that he did, like that affected his weight loss. Because so he observed in 2008 that like Michael Phelps was eating all these calories, but yet he was so thin, mm-hmm. and he was thinking to himself, "Well, if he's if it's if he's if it's the workout, then he must be working out like eight hours a day, yeah. seven days a week." But he knew because he's a scientist that it had to be the workout environment. And, and, and Phelps was eating like twelve to fifteen thousand calories a, lot of a day. Calories, you know? K- and he ate whatever he wanted. KFC. I mean, the they did a museum exhibit right? like. Yeah. What's that? Did, wasn't this, didn't the Smithsonian have the like, Smithsonian had a just a thing on what Phelps eats like pizza, McDonald's, KFC, pancakes, pancakes, Damn. pancakes, so pancakes, wild. pancakes. But it didn't matter because matter. because if you if if you've been a swimmer or you know swimmers, I mean the pools when they're when you're trained to compete are cooler. Yeah, and so so right so Ray's sitting at home watching a special on the 2008 you know Olympics on Phelps, and you know he's eating Pringles on his couch and. You know, here's the question. Everyone says the light bulb goes off, I feel, but isn't the light bulb goes on? on. Yeah. He has his aha moment. Yeah. That's anyways, what likes to I hear say. a lot of it's like 50-50 on that. But anyways, I say the light bulb goes on and I've been corrected by someone. It's on. It's on, right? <laughs> so you, you says we have some Johnnyisms too, which is a whole other podcast uh-huh. when we yeah. bring Brittany on here. <laughs> um, but uh anyway, yeah. so, so yes. the light bulb goes on. Oh, Phelps is in water. And it's cool water. It's in the 70s. And water is 24 times more thermoconductive than air. And we are endothermic creatures. We create heat. The reason mm-hmm. we we really eat is to 80% goes towards really keeping us at 98.6. And that water is just sucking the heat out of that steam engine of Michael Phelps, just sucking it 24 times faster. So Phelps has to maintain his caloric load so that he can stay at 98.6 because the water is robbing him of heat. Oh, Light bulb on with Ray. I should ap- apply more cold into my life, and that's what he does. He starts to go on these thing called shiver walks in his Alabama backwoods, um, and he would walk until he would start to shiver, and then he'd sit in his rocking chair on his Alabama back porch. I've been been on it. It's it's lovely. And it's a good rocking chair. It's a great rocking okay. chair. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a garden too, and he has a couple. Did you squirrels. guys know all this before you reached out to him? So, so this is in a book by yeah. Tim Ferriss, oh, okay. and the reason. The world knows about Ray Cronice is because Tim Ferriss found him and featured him in the Four Hour Body. So under, we have under, under Tim the, to thank. Yeah, yeah. Under Ice Age is the chapter that that you know. And and Ray also did a, a TED Talk too in yeah. 2008. I think two thousand eight about it. Yeah, which put it on the map. So, but and, yeah, and like this is you know, and then he would finish his showers on cold. Um, Wired magazine did a piece on him. Ray doesn't wear a blanket at night, and he uses blanket as a verb. So he doesn't blanket at night. Do you blanket? I definitely blanket. I duvet. I blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, is this a blanket statement? That this you're is a blanket right statement, right? Okay. Yeah. So, so like Ray would, you know, fifty-five degrees. But is I the do temperature. put my apartment at like a ridiculous. It's sixty-five what, what's degrees. What's the te- what's the temperature? Yeah, sixty-five degrees. Sixty. Oh man. Well, you would make a lot of polysomnologists very happy. But I get. I'm a really hot sleeper. Like I just, I, my parents like when they they don't understand when they come to my apartment in New York, they're like, "What the hell are you doing? Yeah. What is yeah. going on? Yeah, well, you're yeah, sixty-five. Yeah. Well, what you're doing is you're doing it right. I also don't think that my apartment like thermostat is calibrated because i think that if it was 65 degrees i'd be windows open <laughs> yeah. Windows closed. Yeah. yeah but yeah so okay so, so we, you guys find this guy you guys think he's a perfect match yeah you present to him right and just want to just learn johnny i mean really wanted to as as a public health official wanted to learn a little bit more so that when we substantiated this to know what we can and can't say about the yeah. benefits it comes from the person that literally was like started the conversation about cool temperature exposure yeah, and and so I mean Ray 
Ray is incredible. I mean, he converted his house into like a whole like he he was just captivated by this notion that our, our metabolisms are broken. And he just totally debunked that our metabolisms are not broken. So now he's fast forwarded to – he not only does cold, mild cold stress, which is 40 to 64 mm-hmm. degrees and kind of living that lifestyle, but he's moved on to food and he's doing like a whole food initiative. He has a book in the works um, called My Broken Plate. Um, he's teamed up with a, a nutritionist, Deanna, um, Juliana I, I for, Juliana, forgive me. I forget your last name. But they're incredible. Yeah. They, they like the, they're, they're. I know you're listening because yeah, we're base, I mean, like huge they, fans. Yeah, veg- but yeah, yeah. right. And so, and so, like, right. So, like, think about that primordial self. But um, you know, like, Ray doesn't breakfast. He doesn't break the fast, mm-hmm. and I don't break break the fast anymore. I don't think so. Could, I'm like my, you know, I've been fat doing this like you know, 16, eight fast mm-hmm. for, for a while. And like, you know, I'm growling. I don't make it. Those are noises, everybody. That's, that's the stomach. <laughs> Cause I like to eat food within. So in what capacity window. were you approaching him to be a partner, to just get information? A mentor, a, a, mentor. A, a mentor, an advisor. And, um, and he loved what we were doing, you know, he, and he gave us advice and we took that to come back to burn. And so, you know, and then you, is that when you guys decided to, that's, when we, that's when we decided to, so that's when Johnny's like, okay, we need to do trials. Yeah. So, uh, so well, first we went on a, Founders trip. <laughs> we uh, we realized that we went to Miami, got a sh- shared a king that size is the bed. Of well, that Burns. was a recent thing. Yeah, Johnny goes, "Hey, you want to get a, a ocean view?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, totally." I didn't know that meant that we had to share a king size bed for three days. So we're we've Get never been closer. Uh, we've never been closer. <laughs> this is the uh, line. This is the line. Yeah, we had a pillow line. But anyway, so but going back, this is like 2015. Mm-hmm. Johnny's like, "Let's we gotta do trials." So. Uh, and so you chose Miami, we, where it's hundred oh, degrees. Well, no, no, no. So the Miami thing was a recent <laughs> trip. Johnny, Johnny just fast forwarded oh, okay. five years uh, okay. in in one sentence. But no, going back 2015, we decided to do it in a in the only accessible place that we had was a beer fridge in Brooklyn uh, at Six Point Breweries Beer Fridge. So you know we both have mutual contacts, but like someone that that you know some, we 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 got contact. We had liability waivers. We said, hey, we're doing this thing. It was a 10 foot by 10 foot square space. There was like mini kegs everywhere. We brought like a rowing machine, resistance bands, kettlebells. And Do you have pictures out. of this? Oh, yeah. Of the trials? We, yeah, we have, we have like a, we have like a trailer. I need to see this. Cause I wanted, I, I said like, you know, how do, how do people get, how do people watch movies? They, they watch the trailer. We need, right. and as a former entrepreneurial, you know, winner in college, I was like, <laughs> we need to create a trailer to this movie that we're yeah. creating. So, so Jimmy had his girlfriend, then girlfriend at the time, now fiance. Oh. Yes. Yes. Doctor, no, no, just kidding. Right. Rachel Donnelly, yes, who was amazing. Hey, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. We love you. <laughs> film it and film. She's an occupational therapist. Occupational therapist, yes. And uh, and so we did this, and it was incredible. We were buzzing. It was thirty eight degrees. We were buzzing after, and we were also buzzing. Why? After. How did you choose the degrees to to test out? Th- that's that, just, well, th- that was the temperature. That was that that they we had. no choice. We oh, poured yeah. beer. So we we're like, hey, thank you for letting us do this. So we got. We were buzzing off the temperature, and we were buzzing off the beer after. It was <laughs> I mean, and, and like this is this is six point. They're so cool. They're, they're so, and we and we do activations with them today. Yeah. That's you know? amazing. It's influenced the shape of our space. Anyway, so so we did that, and then Johnny's like, okay, we have to do trials on people. So Johnny went through this whole process of doing like again like what he learned with with in his public health career evaluating like you know getting getting certain subjects. So I had a we friend. worked with an evaluator at the health department um, who just consulted us. She was awesome, Randy. Randy. So uh, I was like, hey man, I know a guy in PA that owns an ice factory, and he's like, are you in the mafia, Jimmy? I'm like, no, yeah. I just, I just small town PA. You got a guy yeah, that, yeah. that you know that owns ice. So so I asked this gentleman. Um, 
for for it's called Bayo's Ice. It's a it's the place that made all the ice when we grew up, like all yeah. the Turkey Hills and all the stores. So I was like, hey, I'm gonna do this trial. Uh, could we do it here? And he's like, well, I got I go, we could we raise it above, you know, we, how close to 32 degrees can we get it? And he's like, you can do it like a 30 degree work. Yeah. Cause it normally they keep the fridge, they keep their ice at 19 degrees to, to make sure the pallets of ice are right. And that, I had, that was like a summer job I had growing, growing up. So it That's was like so literally funny, the coolest job. Yeah, so you, you had tasted the cold. Oh, for as sure. A kid. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I got my friends, like former college athletes, some of my mom's beauty shop clients. So I want to have a range of people that yeah. were like in great shape and people that were like just starting their, their, their fitness journey in one space together. So we worked at, we, we, Put a work, put, did a workout together. I mean, we, we met at Jimmy's parents' house, and like sixteen people came over from from his community. It's so cool. it was incredible. It was and really incredible. So it, it was at thirty two degrees. 30, Jimmy's dad, Jim, 30, was in his underwear. Degrees. No, just kidding. Oh, sorry, he was, I, that's how. That's my. That's the Martin but, Martin alarm no, clock. But, is my dad walking into your room with his underwear, and you just wake right up? <laughs> Uh, we joke both of our dads like whitey tidy guys. Tides, yeah. so Hanes, funny. they should sponsor our father. They hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Hanes actually, we use alternative apparel, which is what you have on right now. Yeah, it's it's really Hanes bought alternative. Oh, interesting. Go, I think so. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah it's Hanes because I was confusing with Fruit of the Loom. Oh it's Hanes. So anyway, but so, 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 to really so, back Jim, in, Jim comes back in into the store here because you know this is thirty degrees. Like this is this isn't forty five. Mm-hmm. So and this is like no one's done this before. Everyone's yeah. done heat. And w- w- what's funny is actually cold and cool is so much safer than heat. Like there's really no major concerns with. It's interesting because, like, as a consumer, my my concern would be that I I would feel like my muscles aren't warmed up enough that I have more susceptibility Total to injury. Total wives' tale. Yeah, and like, but we had to debunk this. But so we ran four trials, each on four people, and so one one t- two things we had to keep in mind was. Can inc- you say one thing really? Quick? Oh, sorry. Go so, ahead. So so there. The way that we define the giant said there's a difference between cool and cold. Yeah. We say cool. Thinking like like it's a crisp fall morning. Cold yeah. to us is a dark wintry night. So that temperature range that he talked about, forty to sixty four degrees, that's cool to mm-hmm. us. Cold is when you get to like the like freezing, right? Yeah. Thirty two degrees, zero yeah. degrees Celsius. So just to sort is of is the workout the more effective the lower the degree? So well, this is int- that's that's really interesting. So so, so we done yeah. these trials. People, you know, I think what John was trying to allude to was that you know there was someone one of my friends had didn't know she had Raynaud syndrome, which says she had super sensitive, like uber sensitivities to the cold in her extremities. So we knew like, oh, okay, we had to take extra precaution, even like as low as 30 degrees, if we ever did something that cold, that to have gloves to make sure that like we protect our extremities. Because when heat, when you're, when you're getting cold, all the blood rushes to your organs to keep, to keep them safe. So like your hands, your head, your feet, all your symptoms as it's called. Yeah. Like, well, the, all the blood will go away from them. So, yeah. like, her hands got super cold. And, and we're talking, remember, so let's go back to what I was talking about with, you know, with Massimo Montanari and this. We, we've, we've, cel- we're now celebrating the opposite of metabolic winter is metabolic summer. So, we're celebrating summer. And with that comes, we're getting so comfortable with being comfortable. Yeah. We love our comfort. We don't like being challenged or stressed. And so, God forbid our cold, you know. God forbid our fingertips might be might right. get cold. Oh my gosh! Like right, this is how sensitive we've become as a culture. But it just so happens that stress in low dosage called hormesis is really good for you. And like I grew up shoveling snow. It's all like what's the word? It's all um, 
there's a tolerance to, I think, what affects us. New Yorkers are more resilient with with being with having to dodge of rats every yeah, morning. Dodge, whereas, where someone garbage. that grew up on a farm, you know, in a beautiful, beautiful state, may not have, you know, would be like, oh my god, there's rats. So right, so so we did these trials and it was so cool to see just the benefits that people were yeah so putting kind of away the concerns people were buzzing out of their minds because you're going through your glycogen you know storage mm-hmm. like like that we can store about 2,000 calories of ready available glucose and, and glycogen and then you're tapping right into you're activating brown adipose tissue so we pulled people and they're like we put we, we, we talked to people you know right after three days after five days after and people were craving the cold so once you got all this positive all this reinforcement, right. how long did it take from these trials to opening the doors? It was three years. Wow. Yeah. So Talk we, about I mean, delayed four, gratification. Four, four, four years, 2014 to yeah, 2018, yeah. Uh, four so, years. So just to give you a fast track, I mean, we were we were like, okay, great. We have all this data, but like we don't know how to run a business, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, he was a mascot. I was in a boy band. We, <laughs> yeah. we were shit out of luck. And so luckily one of my clients who I trained in the same gym that that I made this discovery about burn, or at least had this, that curiosity, mm-hmm. um, worked in commercial real estate and was a former investment banker. And so I, you know, we pitched this to him um, and he wanted to be a part of it. He was our first investor and he's our third partner. And we went to, we, we created a pitch deck got trademarks, and literally were heard no over 300 times. I mean, imagine watching 300 episodes of Shark Tank and feeling that pit in your stomach. That was a reality for us. So what was it with all that rejection that, like, kept you going? I feel like you had definitely some training with working in theater and having to, like, go on auditions and all that. I feel like that was kind of leading you up to it. But, like, how do you kind of keep going? Uh, the fact that we literally told our partners that we were putting everything into this, yeah, uh, that was the go. That was that's what really kept us. Going. Well, I, know, I mean, it I th- kept I, me going. I, I think, like, well, no, I think in terms of like what really is like the active ingredient, <laughs> yeah, you know, and like it was, you know, I mean, this guy lost his wife. Jimmy lost Lynn. You know, like I knew he was he was gonna do this. Like it, you know, because I had to vet. You hear so many terrible stories about partners breaking up, but like. You know, Jimmy has, t- you know, two wonderful parents. Like I've met his parents. I've met Rachel. You know, I I was interviewing him, his family. I was doing a, you know, full-on FBI investigation. No, wow, the reveal. Of him, um, you know, and so so that, that, that was important. But um, I think for me was just this, you know, the, well, one, like the facts ha- had, had to add up. And so there's one important fact that we haven't told you, but um, it's that – I'm a Pisces and Jimmy is a Capricorn. Is Capricorn. And that is, no, I'm just kidding. No, you're Cancer. You're no, Cancer. I, oh, actually, I'm sorry. My wife and my son are, can, are Pisces. I'm a Cancer. Oh my gosh. But so it was, there, there's 36,000 fitness concepts in at the time in the United States and zero operate below like 68, 72 degrees. So it was a, it was a built environment system. And we, I called, I called. 20 gyms asking them like one in Austin. I was kind of concerned about that, like might've done something cold, mm-hmm. but like, I'm like, this is the same goddamn problem as the as stairs being closed. And this is, this is a, an incredible opportunity. And you just didn't, yeah. you just didn't see it as an option as it not working. No, we were like, we're yeah. going to we're going to, there's a necessity of no, we distilled our concept in those rejections. We found uh, a handful of people through a friends and family round that helped us raise over a million and a half dollars. We even wow. got a celebrity investor, um, Orlando Pita. Pita. Yeah. Like he, he did. Like he is the most famous living hairstylist. He's done Madonna's hair. Amazing. I mean, he does. He did. Um, 
you know, the Clooney's hair for their wedding. He yeah. did. Or actually, so no, that episode, After the 300 no's, um, we heard a few yeses and we were able to secure a lease in the most competitive neighborhood in the world for fitness. It's incredible. And to, you know, fast forward today, we have an incredible community that, that was built in, 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 in our collected vision you know, a brand that feels like you did that the, it didn't fall in love with its own reflection. It has a little bit of small town manners and some big Definitely city wit, does, right? Yeah, and, and a program that you know, aside from the workout environment being different, like what you're doing in our space is also unique. I mean, we have a hit class with battle ropes and weights. We have a a slide class where you're sliding on these slide boards like you're a speed skater mm-hmm. and doing like Pilates esque type movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's a, the degree you guys landed on? So we landed on fifty. You know, fifty was the sweet spot. And there's that a was, whole there's a whole other podcast about yeah. So, all the degrees. But again, like again, when we first launched, we we even called the classes different things. We had a temperature range between forty five and sixty degrees. The, we signaled through our community. We listened to them. And going back to the reference of how in my dad's hospital where the people were calling the shots from afar, we were on the ground floor listening and interacting with our customers and saying, "What do you like?" And fifty degrees seemed to be the sweet spot. And fifty degrees also does it also produce results in terms oh, of 100%. cold. Okay. In, in terms, in terms yeah. of what, how people feel, like they walk yeah. in Feels good. and they walk out. They feel like like the word, yeah. the adjective is fun and challenging. Yeah. And exists. you still break a sweat. Like I've done it and like you're definitely still. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we're encouraging to move better. So yeah. like you're actually able to work out harder for longer. So fast forward to date, we've been super humbled by the, the press that we received. We're in the Thanks talks. Thanks to our Increase, publicist. Incredible publicist. Yeah. The best. Brittany Blake. Brittany Blake. Blake. Brittany Blake. We've been in the, the line collective. Yeah. We've been in the New York Times twice uh, in the past Five months. Live with Kelly and Ryan. Good morning, America. Every fitness magazine publication you can think of. We're on the active ingredients. We're on this. I mean, this is- Good this people. Is, well, actually, I want to get to the active ingredient. I yeah. feel like I kind of understand what both of your active ingredients are. But the point of the podcast is definitely to get into the stories of people that have figured it out. But it's also for the person that has absolutely no idea like how to find that for themselves. Like I feel like you've you've had very different backgrounds and it's been a lot of different things to get you there. But like- for someone that is looking for that for themselves, what piece of advice would you give on just even what to ask yourself? Um, I, the thing I tell people is, um, I like we, you know, we're we're still new, um, still figuring, and out we're still figuring it out, hundred percent. But um, you have to listen to that little voice in your head. I think this this notion of like discomfort is people don't want to face that, like physically and mentally. And you, totally. you, you got to take a deep dive, and you'll know your true self when you jump over the river of fear and, and you got to find something in your life that you kind of just have to go for. And maybe it doesn't have to start at a professional level. Maybe it's try out to be the mascot, get rejected and, or get accepted. Yeah. Go, I mean, truly go for something. I mean, what, what's your, what's, what's your why, you know, like what Simon's Senate, like the, the, Simon the, the yeah. I mean, like ask yourself, like, why are you doing something? And if something is really keeping you up at night, don't like, don't, don't ignore that. You know, this was bugging me you know like it, it was completely on the other side of the spectrum of what i what i came to new york to do but i realized like with me personally me personally burns like an amalgamation of all things i'm passionate about i get to do branding with johnny which was what i did at the ad agency like we do we do like you know some humor driven stuff at the brand but our workouts no joke so it, like it really combines also the face of a brand so yeah, it's like you're still so forward facing exactly you know? so it's it's it really was the happy medium and, and to johnny's point like you know the reason why I stuck with it and what kept me up at night is I just heard my late wife saying, "This is the the thing that I'll never. This is this is your legacy. This is the I'll be I'm gonna be the most proud over this thing that I'll never get to see." And wow. just hearing that, even in the times where we're you know day to day, where I'm like, "Man, is this is this gonna is this gonna work?" 
uh, I hear that and I hear Rachel's voice now just affirming that this is this is it. You've when you invest in something, people will invest in you. And we found that with our with the people that we that we call our investors, they they invested in us because they saw how passionate we were, how like th- that we did our homework, that we that we were trying to disprove the thing that we are trying to uh, used to improve the 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 fitness experience, and we've created a whole other chapter and a whole other conversation, and we're leading it. And you know, we are excited about it going beyond this New York location. There's a lot of potential with this brand, and it started from just cold, asking questions. Cold pizza, but yeah, <laughs> it's like Jimmy John, Jimmy, Jimmy Jimmy Johnny's cold pizza uh, company. But um, but anyway. so I always close out the show asking, "What is your literal active ingredient?" So is that your little matcha or your espresso or something that you actually like do meditate? Um, you have to talk to someone oh, in your family. Oh, like I it has that. to be something that like you need in your every single oh, day life. Oh, yeah, this is so easy for me. Yeah, so. <laughs> Oh, I go to Abrasso. Abrasso. It's in the East Village. It's on Seventh. Josh Beckerman it's loves like, that place. It's like Do you see him there. Um, Foodie magician. No. <laughs> I'm gonna look now. For that was him. his active ingredient. That's, it's literally his active ingredient was coffee from Abrasso. It's literally coffee from Abrasso. <laughs> Jamie and Liz, what they have done. They're San Francisco natives. It's it's community culture. There's poets. There's artists. There's and I was this f- former public health guy that would go and stop, and I get like espresso, and it's I got one. I, this mor- go. I got one this morning, which is why I was late to the podcast. <laughs> and I was just shooting the breeze with somebody that I, I had no it. idea. It was, it was great. All right, Jimmy. You know i I've been I've been, been becoming a morning person lately, um, and because like when you do comedy for a long time, like the night is where everything mm-hmm. everything happens, but. It's been interesting. Like I, I try to have at least some part of my morning where I invite silence into my day before the noise. So I try to at least have it's not like a moment of silence, but like an uninterrupted time before things happen to like to me that you have to react to. Exactly. I try to enact this sort of calm before we, you know, we throw the rock first rock in the in the, in the <laughs> pond. Um, oh wow! What a I metaphor! Guess, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pass it. There we go. Invite that. That's a great That's metaphor. Um, but you know, I mean, that I've been trying to do that more often. I've been finding that there's a little bit more of an ease when making decisions. So, active ingredient is is silence. Love which that. Is, it's and as we can tell, like when we get out of the city, we appreciate it more and more. So, how do you how do you imbue it into into your day? Just make time for it. Make I love it, make that. It more, so. Where can everyone follow you guys? Uh, well, we're, you can follow us on the sidewalks. Uh, yeah. you yeah. can't miss us, uh, especially no, run, but, uh, run YouTube. You know, you t- <laughs> cool facts Friday. Cool facts Friday was our unsuccessful sketch, uh, edutainment little thing. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, so personally I'm at Jimmy T Martin on Instagram. Uh, Johnny's at Johnny. Danica Patrick. Danica. Um, <laughs> yeah. go, that's Aaron Rodgers and Danica. I hope to get invited to your wedding. Yes. <laughs> Uh, go pack go. No, I'm at Johnny Adamick. And then we're at on Instagram, we're at Burn. On Facebook, we're at The Burn. On Twitter, we're at The Burn. And that's B R R R. Triple R's. Triple yeah, R's, R's. The way Disney and Target have it as well. Burr <laughs> for their right. floor mats. And, uh, you know, if anything, we tell people, you know, come by. The experience truly speaks for itself. You're, you're walking into this like ski lodge looking place. You have people that like make eye contact with you. There's a warm feeling in the lobby before you walk into our fridge and hopefully they'll walk in and out as often as, as they 
can't afford to do. Definitely. <laughs> Check it out, guys. Thank you guys so much Thank for being you. on Thank the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take a second to rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient.